Okay, if you'd like to open up your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to start off in Ezekiel here this morning. And this is part five in a series which we've entitled The Promises and Covenants of God. Uh, This message today is entitled The Rebirth of the Nation of Israel. The Rebirth of the Nation of Israel. And for the next uh, three weeks, I just figured we'd do seven, since seven is a good Bible number. We'll do seven messages in this series. This is number five, so we'll do two more. Uh, Also, Wednesday nights, uh, I'm going through the book of Isaiah Wednesday nights here again. We were in Isaiah chapter 10 last Wednesday. We'll be in Isaiah uh, this Wednesday night. So I invite you to follow along online and, and, and listen to that or come out Wednesday night. And you could follow us with our expository verse by verse study through Isaiah. Uh, But this is a sort of a topical series on the promises and the covenants of God, specifically related to God's eternal covenant and his promise to the nation of Israel. Uh, So we're in Ezekiel 36. Let's read verses 17 to 28 as we get into the message here this morning. Ezekiel chapter 36 Verse 17, and greetings and welcome to a City on a Hill church in Tehachapi. They're live streaming us as well up in Tehachapi, and good morning to you all. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 17, the message is entitled, The Rebirth of the Nation of Israel. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, They defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood that they had shed on the land and for their idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries and I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake. O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments 
and do them, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is an amazing prophecy, as we're going to see here over the next couple of weeks in Ezekiel chapter 36, and then 30, Ezekiel 37, and then 38 and 39. Uh, it is a chronological prophecy. Uh, that I believe has already begun to be fulfilled, this restoration and rebirth uh, of the nation of Israel back in their homeland in the last days. Last week, we looked at the 70 weeks of Daniel, the last couple of weeks, actually, in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. And I encourage you to listen to those messages if you weren't here the last two Sundays. Um, but you'll remember from last week that there were these promised blessings that God was going to give to Israel, specifically to the Jews, Daniel's people, the Jews, and to Daniel's holy city, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, in Daniel 9, chapter 24, I'm sorry, Daniel 9, verse 24, chapter 9, <clears throat> I'll read this to you. Seventy-sevens are determined, Daniel 9, 24, for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. And so there are all of these promises. There are all of these things that God is promising to do for the Jews and for the city of Jerusalem. And these things have not yet happened since this was written. So whenever you come across a prophecy that has not been fulfilled in history, it means it's a future prophecy. Although this was written some 2,550 years ago or more when Daniel was in Babylon, uh, this, this has not been fulfilled because all of these things have not happened yet for the Jews and for Jerusalem. Uh, end of transgression, end of sins, reconciliation for iniquity, everlasting righteousness, the fulfillment of all vision and prophecy, and the anointing of the most holy place. These things have not happened yet in Israel's history. Now we looked at the last couple of weeks, the first 483 years of this 490 year prophecy have already been fulfilled, but there's one seven year period of time which is remaining. And that seven-year period of time is what is known as the tribulation period. The last three and a half years after the abomination of desolations, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, takes place in the holy place. Then the great tribulation begins according to Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 24 in the Olivet Discourse. So this is still future. There's still a seven-year period of time that God has to fulfill uh, or he's, he's, he's not God. If he doesn't fulfill his promises, then how could you trust his word? So, of course, God must fulfill his promises to the Jews. It's very simple. God cannot lie. He's not a man that he should lie. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, better to obey God than obey man. Why? Because God doesn't ever lie. He always tells us the truth. Jesus says that he is the truth, personified. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and so the word of God is true. The promises of God are true. They will all be fulfilled if they have not already been fulfilled in history. So we know that these are speaking of a future salvation for the nation of Israel with the Messiah reigning from Jerusalem. This is the millennial reign of Christ uh, or the reign uh, of the Mashiach or the Messiah of Israel. 
in order for this prophecy to be fulfilled, Israel would have to be in their land because it's specifically tied to Jerusalem. Seventy weeks are determined for your people, the Jews, for your holy city, Jerusalem. So we know that the Jews have to be back in their land for this to take place. Uh, We know that there will also have to be a temple that is rebuilt because there will be uh, the abomination of desolations when the Antichrist comes into the rebuilt temple, sets up an image of himself and demands to be worshipped as God. There has to be a temple uh, in Jerusalem with a holy place, the Holy of Holies, in order for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And there isn't one in Jerusalem right now, but there will be. There will be a rebuilt temple uh, in the last days for the last seven-year period. Most people believe that it is uh, the covenant that is made with the Antichrist, the prince of the people who is to come, that that covenant will allow for the Jews to rebuild their temple. And then halfway through the seven-year period, he's going to demand, the Antichrist, demand to be worshipped as God. And they're going to realize this one who they thought was the Messiah is actually the devil. And they're going to have to flee uh, to the mountains. And then Jesus Christ will return at the end of that seven-year period to save Israel, to save Judah, to save the Jews. Zechariah chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 detail the second coming of Christ the Messiah as the king, as the Lord of hosts who's going to come and destroy the enemies of Israel and all the nations that have come against Jerusalem. So these promises to Israel must be fulfilled. Otherwise, God is not keeping his word, and that would be uh, heretical and blasphemous to say that God will not keep his promises. In Genesis chapter 13, just as a quick reminder of the promises of God to the Jews related to their land, Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your descendants for how long? Forever. Forever. This is an eternal promise to the Jews. Only God can make an eternal promise. Man can't make an eternal promise because eventually we all die. God can make an eternal promise because he's eternal. So he says, everything you see, all of the promised land, Abraham, I'm giving to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So the land of Israel belongs to the Jews. It's the promised land. It's God's holy land. And he gave it to the Jews uh, so, that, so that he would have a people. He would have a nation that would represent him. And, of course, the Jews failed uh, to keep the covenant of God as God knew they would. That's why God's only begotten son came. Jesus Christ came to bring and usher in the new covenant because man couldn't keep the law. Uh, nationally, the Jews rejected the nation of Israel, the priests The Levites, those who were in charge of Israel politically and religiously, rejected the Messiah when Jesus came the first time. And so it opened the door for the Gentiles to be saved. But God still has a plan for the Jews. He still has a national uh, salvation for the nation of 
Israel. God will keep his word. And the physical, literal descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob own that land. God has bequeathed it to them. He's given it to them. It's his land. He gave it to the Jews, the promised land. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 18, we read this. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So God is is even laying out the boundaries of the promised land that he was giving to the Jews. It's all the way from Egypt, the river of Egypt, all the way into what would be modern-day Iraq, Uh, or ancient Babylon and Assyria, where the Euphrates River is. God says, all of this land is yours, Abraham. This is a covenant that I'm making with you and with your descendants after you. It's an eternal covenant. In Genesis chapter 17 and verse 7, God reiterates it again to Abraham. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed or descendants after you in their generations For an everlasting covenant to be your God to you and your descendants after you. Also, verse 8, I give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all of the land of Canaan or Israel or the promised land, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So really, there's no other way to interpret these prophecies. These are eternal prophecies that God is making with Israel related to the land. And uh, people may not like that. People may want to argue around uh, this promise and say that somehow it's fulfilled by the church. Well, the church doesn't have uh, any real interest in the promised land. It's not, you know, the church doesn't have a headquarters really anywhere. We're all over the world. Uh, But the Jews consider Jerusalem the holiest place. They want to rebuild their temple there. Always has been for the Jews, the promised land, the holy land the eternal city of Jerusalem. And God is saying, I'm establishing my covenant between me and you, Abraham, and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. It's eternal. He mentions it again in verse 8. An everlasting possession. It's eternal. It's a promise that God cannot break. He will not break. That he will fulfill. In verse 19 of Genesis 17, God wanted to make sure that Abraham understood that the promise was not going to go to Ishmael, whom he conceived through Hagar, the handmaiden of his wife Sarah, who had been barren, but that Sarah, his wife, would bear him a son. Verse 19 of Genesis 17 says, Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And then later in the book of Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 28, Genesis 29, God reiterates this covenantal promise to Isaac's son, Jacob, not Esau. So God is saying, Abraham, through your son Isaac, the promise and the covenant will go for the land and the eternal promise. And through Isaac, your son, Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. And all the promises uh, flowed to the offspring and the the sons of Israel or Jacob. So these are promises 
that God is making very specific, very clear eternal promises. Now, God knew that the people of Israel would sin and that they would go, you know, he knows everything. He knew what was going to happen. He knew they were going to go after other gods and, and so forth. And so God warned them ahead of time and told them that if they disobey him, if they go after other gods, he will remove them from their land temporarily. He will remove them from their land as a punishment, send them into captivity. Uh, and that's exactly what he said he was going to do uh, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That's exactly what happened. In Leviticus chapter 26, for example, in verse 14, and again, these promises were written by Moses before the Jews had actually even entered in to take possession of the promised land because Moses died. Uh, he saw it, but he was not allowed to go into the promised land. So Moses wrote this, uh, of course, before the Jews had come into the promised land. Leviticus 26 and verse 14, I'll read it to you. God says this, but if you do not obey me, and do not observe all these commandments, or if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but you break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. <clears throat> and you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. Verse 17, I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Verse 21, then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall bereave you or rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number." and your highways shall be desolate. Verse 23. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you. I will punish you yet seven times for your sins, and I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of your enemy. God's warning them hundreds of years in advance before this would actually happen to them. He's saying, if you obey me in the land, I will bless you and the land will be blessed. If you disobey me and you go after other gods in the land, you're going to bring a curse upon yourself, upon your people, upon your children, upon your livestock, upon your crops, and ultimately upon the land of Israel. So God was warning them ahead of time. To not go after other gods. He continues skipping to verse 31 of Leviticus 26 and says this. I will lay your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries to desolation or your holy places like the temple to desolation. I will not smell the fragrance of your sweet aromas. I will bring the land to desolation and your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. Verse 33, 
I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. Verse 35. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest. For the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. So God here is telling them what's going to happen. And he's making a prophecy or a prediction of what's going to happen. Uh, that he is going to judge them. Specifically related to offering human sacrifice in verse 29. Uh, uh, burning incense to other gods and so forth. And he's saying... Uh, I'm going to bring this land to desolation. Your enemies are, are going to dwell here. They're going to be astonished at, at you. He says, and I'm going to scatter you among the nations, plural. Nations. And later we're going to hear that again in Ezekiel. All over the world. So this is not just speaking of the Babylonian captivity where the Jews were carried away captive into Babylon for 70 years. That was part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. But that was only one nation, Babylon, that they came back from after 70 years. God is saying, in the future, I'm going to scatter you among all the nations of the world, and you're never going to settle down. The sword is going to come after you everywhere that you go. And if you look at the history of the Jews since 132 AD uh, in Jerusalem, in Rome, where Emperor Hadrian drove the Jews out, made it illegal for Jews to live in Jerusalem or in Israel, they had to leave or they were killed. Uh, changed the name to Palestine, uh, changed the name of Jerusalem and, and uh, uh, Capitolina, Aeola Capitolina to name the uh, Emperor Hadrian, named Jerusalem after himself. He changed the name of Israel to the name of their enemies, the Philistines, and called it Palestine. And then he killed all the Jewish males because they kept rebelling against the Romans. And at that point in 132 AD, the Jews were then pushed all over the world, and they were scattered to all the nations. And it's interesting, if you look at the history of the Jews, they've never really settled and fit in anywhere. They'll go to Europe, they'll go to Asia, they'll go to South America, even come over here to the United States. And eventually, uh, the nations rise up and persecute the Jews. Whether it was the Crusaders, whether it was the Spanish Inquisition being done, uh, you know, in 1100 AD, 1200 AD with the Crusades and so forth. Whether it was the Spanish Inquisition where they were torturing the Jews and forcing them to convert uh, and burning down the synagogues if they refused uh, to convert to Christianity in Spain. Whether it was the pogroms of the Russians uh, and the Tsars persecuting the Jews throughout Russia. Uh, on and on it goes. They've really never settled anywhere. And then finally Hitler comes and Hitler tries to exterminate the Jewish race altogether, first in Europe and then all around the world. So the Jews had to do what? They had to come back to their homeland. They really weren't settled anywhere for 2,000 years until they came back to their promised homeland. Another uh, uh, nation was born May 14th, 1948, and they became a nation again, resurrected from the dead. The nation, the customs, the religion, even the Hebrew language was resurrected from the dead. Unheard of, unprecedented in human history. But God said this was going to happen to them. If they went after other gods, they worship other gods, they offer their children as sacrifices to other gods. God eventually says, I'm going to drive you all over the, the world. The sword's going to chase after you. But that's not the end. God had promised them an eternal possession and a king and a kingdom, the messianic reign over Israel. 
the Lord is warning them. The Lord is uh, pleading with them not to do this and telling them what's going to happen if they do this. Leviticus 26, verse 40, he continues, But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness, in which they were unfaithful to me, and that they have walked contrary to me, and that I also have walked contrary to them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled, and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham I will remember. I will remember the land. The land also shall be left empty by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They will accept their guilt because they despised my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. Verse 44, yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, notice this, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them. It's an eternal covenant that cannot be broken. He says, for I am the Lord their God, but for their sake I will remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God. I am the Lord. And so the Lord warned them, but he also promised them a national salvation and their eternal inheritance of the land of Israel. God can't break his word. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 4, in verse 23, Moses says this as he was giving his final message, uh, Moses, to the Jews before he would die. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and verse 23. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. And make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and you act corruptly and you make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, verse 26, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but you will be utterly destroyed and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. You will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you and there you will serve God's the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days or the last days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. How many more times does God have to promise this for us to believe that it's true? God told him the future before it happened, but it wasn't the end. He was not going to write off his people. 
There is no replacement theology. The church has not replaced Israel. Romans chapter 11 tells us God has set Israel aside until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and then all Israel will be saved. That's New Testament. So God is promising this to them. He's warning them and he's promising them. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, God says this, he says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he promises all these blessings to the Jews if they are right with God, if they're uh, worshiping him and not going after other gods, teaching their children to worship him and so forth. So there's blessings promised. And then there are curses that are promised. In verse 15, we read this, the curses uh, upon Israel for disobedience. 28, 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and they will overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of the land and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. Verse 22, the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze. The earth which is under your feet shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and to dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Verse 25, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and shall flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. These are warnings of a worldwide diaspora or dispersion that God was going to drive the Jews out of their land as a punishment for their idolatry and disobedience. Uh, and they would be everywhere in the world uh, as he has driven them out of the land. We continue in verse 45. He says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be a sign upon you for a sign 
and they shall be upon you for a sign and wonder, verse 46, and on your descendants forever, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, nor show favor to the young. Verse 53 The curse continued, you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. This is exactly what happened to them when they were uh, uh, besieged. Uh, The Samaritans of Israel, they began to eat their children because they were starving to death. Uh, And and. The, the, the Lord had warned them, if you go after these other gods and the judgment of God comes, I'm going to use these nations to attack you and you're going to even eat the fruit of your own body, your, your offspring, because they're like the Donner Party, they're starving to death, their children are dying of starvation. And so they actually cannibalized uh, their own children. It's interesting that that's what happened when the Babylonians uh, besieged Jerusalem. It's recorded for us in the book of Second Chronicles that when the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem, that they were actually eating each other in Jerusalem with the siege of Nebuchadnezzar and of Babylon before the walls of Jerusalem came down. Uh, And then you have, of course, in 70 AD, when Jerusalem was once again surrounded by its enemies by the Roman army, uh, General Titus, son of Vespasian, who was the emperor, surrounding Jerusalem, besieging Jerusalem from 1967, I'm sorry, uh, 67 or 68 AD to 70 AD, besieging the city that there was even reports then of cannibalism, of people eating one another because they were starving to death. So this is exactly what happened. Tragically and sadly, if you read the history of the Holocaust, there were even times there where uh, it has been purported uh, in some of the concentration camps that there was cannibalism that took place because the people were dying and the people were starving to death. And so exactly what God had warned them would happen has happened to them over and over again throughout their history. Even cannibalism. He continues skipping to verse 58. He says, if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants after you extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sickness. Verse 60, moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed for you shall be left few in number whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God and it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you that rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to nothing and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Verse 64, then the Lord will scatter you among the peoples 
from one end of the earth to the other. Notice that this is a worldwide diaspora or dispersion, not just to Babylon. From one end of the earth to another, and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your feet have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. And at the evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. Throughout Israel's history, they found themselves in this place over and over and over again where they have no one to turn to but to God and for God to save them and for God to restore them and for God to heal them. And for God to deliver them from all of their enemies. And ultimately to bring them back to the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 1. Moses says this. Now it shall come to pass. When all these things come upon you. The blessing and the curse which I have set before you. And you call them to mind among all the nations. Plural. Where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God, and you obey his voice according to all the command, according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the nations, plural, where the Lord your God has scattered you, not speaking just the Babylon. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. God is laying out thousands of years of history for them, and it's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. Everything God predicted has come to pass, including in our lifetime them being brought back from the nations, plural, from the whole earth, from the farthest parts under heaven, back to their land, the Aliyah, where the Jews are coming back to Jerusalem from everywhere in the world. There's a, a massive uh, 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 immigration from around the world of Jews coming to Jerusalem, coming to Israel. Uh, it's incredible, really. It's exactly what the Bible predicted would happen in the latter days, in the last days. The regathering, the rebirth, the restoration, and ultimately the resurrection of the nation of Israel, a nation coming back from the dead. In Psalm uh, 137, the psalmist declares this about the, ba uh, the Babylonian captivity and the Jewish desire to be back in their homeland. Psalm 137, verse 1. 
By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion or Jerusalem. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, for there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. They were in Babylon for 70 years. They were restored to their land. They were dispersed again in 132 AD by the Romans. And then again, they have come back into their land. And it shouldn't surprise us because it's exactly what God predicted was going to happen. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 10, I'll read this to you. Hear what the word of the Lord, O nations, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. God is going to gather and regather and restore scattered Israel in the last days. In Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 8, there was the question if a nation can be born in a day. Isaiah 66 verse 8 says this, Whoever heard of such a thing... Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says, the, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her for all you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. Verse 12, for thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides. You shall be carried and be dandled on her knees as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. A nation born in a day. Has it ever happened before in history? No, but it happened on May 14th in 1948. The nation of Israel came back to life from the dead. In Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 21, God says that Israel is not forgotten. He says, remember these, O Jacob, and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth in singing, you mountains, O forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob 
and glorified himself in Israel. Verse 24, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the sign of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness. Verse 26, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited. To the cities of Judah, you shall be built. And I will raise up her waste places. But who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. And so God is promising this uh, resurrection, really, this renewal, this rebirth of the nation of Israel because God cannot lie and he made promises to his people. So we go back to where we started. That was just the introduction. So we're moving on now to the body of the message. <laughs> we're going back to where we started and we're going to spend some more time here next week uh, as well. Ezekiel chapter 36. I, want to kind of, I, I wanted to lay the background for what's happening here in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. Because you have to understand, this was what God had told them was exactly going to happen. And it has happened that he was going to uh, bring them back into their land and that they would be resurrected as a nation. So again, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 7 says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. But you, O mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they are about to come. For indeed I am with you. I will turn to you, and you shall be filled and sown. I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, all of it. And the city shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt. I will multiply upon you man and beast, and then they shall increase and bear young. I will make you inhabited as in former times, and do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the Lord." Yes, I will cause men to walk on you, my people Israel. He's talking to the land. God's saying to the land of Israel, I'm going to cause men to walk on you, Israel. My people, Israel, are going to walk on the land. They shall take possession of you. He's prophesying to the land. My people are going to take possession of you. And you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of their children. Thus says the Lord God, because they said to you, you devour men and bereave your nation of children. Therefore, you shall devour men no more, nor bereave your nation anymore, says the Lord God. Nor will I let you hear the taunts of the nations anymore, nor bear the reproach of the peoples anymore, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble anymore, says the Lord." And so God says, when I bring my people back into the land, and he's going to specify this is in the last days, the land is going to be prolific. Uh, when, when the Jews were not in the land, the land was not a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a deserted desert 
place with malaria-infested swamps that nobody really wanted uh, uh, the, the, the land of, of Israel or Jerusalem after the Jews were out of the land. But as soon as the Jews came back into the land, the land came back to life. And today, if you've been to Israel, it's one of the most prolific agricultural countries in the whole world. They do more with less land uh, than, than any other nation. They invented drip irrigation for their agriculture. Uh, they have these brilliant ideas uh, to, to uh, propagate and to uh, uh, multiply their, their fruits and their vegetables and things and their flowers. And now, not only do they have all this food, they export food to the rest of Europe and, and to the, really the, the whole world. They export fruits and vegetables and so forth. That was not the case before 1948. For almost 1,900 years, the land was just a complete desert place uh, until the Jews came back. And then God brought the land back as he said he would. Verse 16, he says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood that they had shed on the land, for their idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations." And they were dispersed throughout the countries. Notice it's plural. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. And when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, plural, gather you out of all the countries, plural, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people. I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you never need again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Verse 31, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. 
The desolate land shall be filled instead of a lying desolate in the sight of all those who pass by so that they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Could God be any more clear on his plan? How, how, how could we not see that this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled in our lifetime? It's exactly what's happened. God has brought them back into their land. They were scattered to the nations around the world and to the countries. God brought them back. Their land was a waste place, desolate until the Jews came back. Now it's like the Garden of Eden. That's exactly what happened. And so we're going to continue next week because it gets into this uh, uh, dry bones prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 37 about the, the nation of Israel being like a pile of dry bones and God resurrecting these dead dry bones back to life again and the nation of Israel uh, being established once again in the latter times, in the last days, in their own land. I know we covered a whole bunch of scripture here today. I thank you for tracking along with me, and I encourage you to listen to the message again and go and, you know, uh, read these scriptures on your own. Very, very important as we live in the last days with our eschatology, our last days philosophy uh, and uh, doctrine, that we have to understand this ties into the Antichrist, it ties into the rapture of the church, it ties into the millennial reign of Christ. Barbara, you can come, come on up and Mike, and uh, let's pray and ask God uh, to prepare our hearts for communion here. And Father, we thank you for your promises in your word. We thank you for your people, Israel, Lord, that you have done everything for them and to them that you said you were going to do. Please, Lord, take the scales off of our eyes that we would understand that the church has not replaced Israel and that you still have promises and covenants to fulfill to your chosen people, the Jews. Help us to uh, be good to the Jews, to the nation of Israel. Help us to vote for politicians who are going to support the nation of Israel, Lord. Help us to bless your people, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coahpodcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.